Target I mean, I'm pretty right sure most TVs something. are color now, Sandeep. That is something. <laughs> And welcome to this special breaking news live to tape emergency crime edition of Seattle Nice. I'm David Hyde, a politics reporter with Seattle NPR affiliate KUOW. She's Erica C. Barnett, editor and publisher of Publicola. Hi, Erica. Hi, David. To Erica's right, on the other side of Seattle's yawning political divide, but still left of center on many issues, he's political consultant Sandeep Kaushik. I feel unsafe, but glow. So this is a breaking news edition. So before really getting into it, we're going to hear from Erica reporting on Mayor Bruce Harrell's announcement earlier today about crime and public safety. The bottom line here, crime increased in 2021 in Seattle and many other places. And that's our discussion today. We're going to be getting into the debate that's really raging right now within the Democratic Party and on the left and in the country generally over crime and public safety. But let's Start with Erica, our special Seattle Nice correspondent today. Uh, Erica, what did the mayor have to say? Well, Mayor Bruce Harrell had a press conference, as you said, this morning on Friday um, to announce that they're going to start doing more hotspot policing in places where there's been an uptick in things like um, stolen uh, stolen goods fencing and uh, some violent crime, uh, felonies, misdemeanor. So you're talking about in Seattle, 12th and Jackson, 3rd and Pine, um, probably 3rd Avenue near the courthouse. He declined to give any specifics about where he's going to be um, focusing police. But basically, the announcement was we're going to be hiring more police, putting more police in these hotspots and arresting more people. Our police department today is staffed at the same numbers that they were staffed back in the 1990s. And this is just not acceptable. Chief Diaz has told me that he cannot deploy enough officers to keep our city safe or meet the response time parameters that he has set. We must rebuild our police service to the staffing levels necessary to respond to emergencies and protect all people. And uh, that's that's kind of the news from this morning. I mean, it felt like a very reactive press conference um, in response to what you're describing, all the media reports about crime anecdotally being up and gun violence definitely um, statistically being up, but not a lot of real specific proposals um, or, you know, funding for that matter. Lisa Herbold came out with a press release right after this event saying 2021 represented a 10-year high for shootings and shots fired in the city of Seattle. 52% of shooting victims were Black or African Americans. And research shows that where there are more guns, there, there are more gun violence. That's from Lisa Herbold. But let's let's get into the kind of big picture here. Why are we talking about crime? We're talking about crime because crime is up, uh, you know, and we're talking about crime because the public in Seattle is really worried about crime and increasingly so uh, seemingly by the week. Um, now, some of that may be hype. You know, there's once a, an issue like crime starts to sort of come to the fore, you know, there's certainly a lot of, you know, there's a drumbeat of media attention that tends to deepen some of these perceptions. But the reality is the public does have reason to be worried about crime. Uh, you know, the number of shootings in Seattle is way up. Uh, I, Bruce Harrell in his press conference reeled off a bunch of stats about this. Um, uh, so did the police chief, Adrian Diaz, was there. Uh, Diaz said that crime overall in Seattle is up 10%. Homelessness-related shootings up 122%. 52% of the victims of shooting, as, as you, as David, you mentioned from the Lisa Herbal press release, 
black men, but as Bruce said, black men between the ages of 18 and 25 years old. I mean, that's a really shocking statistic. So, yeah, there is a, a crime problem in the city of Seattle. And what's really surprising is not that we're talking about it now. It's that we haven't been talking about it for the last year because uh, Seattle's progressive left, and to a large extent, has been in a near-complete state of denial about this rising crime, including the shootings, rampant theft, growing street disorder. Uh, you know, I would just say, you know, look at the, the mayoral election last year, Lorena Gonzalez, the candidate of the left. I think her, her candidacy was emblematic. This was like a non-issue in her campaign. So, um, you know, Sandeep brings up accurately, I think, that, you know, that, yes, as I said, shootings are definitely up, and that is a huge issue that needs to be addressed. Unfortunately, um, what Harold did announce he was going to do is primarily not about shootings of people living unsheltered in homeless encampments and not primarily about shootings of young black men, Um which we can talk about, but about, again, this hotspot policing idea. And, you know, in preparation for this last night, I, I went back sort of knowing that this was probably going to be the proposal. Let's do hotspots again. We're going to crack down, you know, the nine and a half block strategy was Ed Murray's name for this proposal. Tim Burgess, um, who is, you know, was a city council member, now uh, director of strategic initiatives for Bruce Harrell, proposed similar measures when he was on the council. Um, so we're doing this hotspot policing thing again. And, and I was looking back last night um, in uh, old Seattle Times archives and this sort of um, because, you know, we have to separate violent crime and property crime. Property crime is not up significantly in Seattle. And particularly, I mean, if you look over many years, I mean, it's just been a steady downhill decline since the 90s. But um, Seattle Times archives almost every single year, there is a panic within the media and often uh, prompted by the downtown Seattle Association about some specific hot spots. Again, Third and Pine, uh, the courthouse downtown, Third and Union, Westlake Park, that, you know, if you believe the Seattle Times and you believe the DSA um, are the harbingers of Seattle falling apart and, you know, and we're never going to have businesses here again and it's the end of the world. This happens every single year. And so... I don't know. Having been a reporter in Seattle now since 2001, I don't know how many mayoral administrations that is. It's a lot. Um, it starts to feel, you know, incredibly, um, you know, not just repetitive, but demoralizing because, you know, at, a, at heart, a lot of these issues around property crime in particular, but also around gun violence are fundamentally social issues. And we always address them by pulling one lever, and that's policing. Do we want to have more policing? Uh, very briefly, there were people, you know, two years ago that uh, that said, let's have less policing and more of a social response. But generally, it's just, you know, people calling for more cops, more cops, more cops. And that's what we heard today. So uh, this is what I mean about the left having uh, uh, its head in the sand a little bit. I mean, I, I, you know, I don't think this year and what's going on right now in the city of Seattle is just like every other year. And it's just one more sort of, you know, media generated moral panic or, or whatever about crime. I think there's something real going on in the city of Seattle that the public is perceiving, but to a significant extent, the elected officials are just now scrambling to play, play catch up on. There's a palpable sense that the social fabric is being frayed and that the quality of life in the city is being harmed uh, by, you know, rising levels of, of sometimes petty crime, but also violent crime. And, you know, 
it's all those stolen packages, right? The catalytic converter thefts. Um, when people see the boarded up st storefronts or they walk by one of these hotspots like 12th and Jackson or 3rd Avenue and they see, you know, people tweaking on meth or not smoking fentanyl or, you know, the open drug uh, dealing and consumption, that really starts to add up and, and starts to affect their perceptions. And, um, you know, that's where we are right now, I think. And I do think those perceptions, to a large extent, not entirely, to a large extent, are rooted in reality. There's a, a reality of what's going on in our street. I, and the other point I will make about this is that in the last couple of years, we have made a hard turn away from police responses to Erica, what you describe as kind of kind of social justice. Oh, I wish that was you know, true. I wish we had actually done that and <laughs> spent that money. I mean, th there is there is, I think, a fantasy that that prevails, you know, on the the sort of moderate end of the spectrum in Seattle that, you know, we oh, we tried all these social responses and we spent so much money. And we just poured resources into the social problems that are actually at the root of things like property crime, of things like, as you put it, um, people tweaking on meth um, and scaring people on the street. Um, but we haven't. I mean, today it was, you know, it was apparent that, you know, Bruce Harrell, although he had very little concrete to say about policing, you know, except that we're going to do hotspots again, he had almost nothing to say about the social problems that are at the root of, you know, of, of all these problems that you're seeing. I mean, I would say are at the root and the fact that we have just had a pandemic. That is what's different in the 90s and the 2000s and the 2010s. We are coming out of a pandemic that has, that has in fact shut down businesses and storefronts. Um, that again is not the fault of homeless people, but homeless people are more visible and people have always conflated homelessness and crime. And that is part of what's happening now. But beyond that, I mean, housing? Have we provided more housing? Not really. Um, homeless shelters, we definitely have done very little over the last four years, and Harold hasn't proposed anything on that front yet. Um, mental health services, drug treatment, I mean, all those things, you know, every single time, and, and Bruce Harold paid lip service to that today, we need to do that. Okay, great, but we haven't done that. I mean, if there is some massive infusion of money that's happened in Seattle into mental health, into homelessness, into substance abuse treatment, I'd like to know about it. Um, but uh, I, I certainly, as a city hall reporter, haven't seen that happening in our city. We know right now Seattle is, is hurting for for action. I don't know if any of you saw John Richards, KEXP DJ, Morning John Richards uh, tweet. Wednesday, February 2nd, this week, 1040 AM, John Richards, KEXP DJ, he, he tweets, well, the reason I couldn't get to work today, someone stole my catalytic converter out of my car this morning. And then he says, I just can't anymore. John Richards at KEXP can't anymore. What is going on with, with Seattle? Well, I mean, I think this this is a perfect example of using anecdote instead of data to to sort of support an impression. And John Richards is a powerful member of the media. You know, that contributes to the overall pile of anecdotes that do not uh, you, you, that one should not conflate with data. Um, I, I will say, I mean, I have been the victim. I've lived here again for 21 years. I have been the victim of many property crimes uh, since moving here. In fact, um, the day I moved on to Capitol Hill in uh, 2003, I had my purse stolen out of my car in broad daylight. I've had bikes stolen. I've been mugged in front of my apartment. Um, you know, so that is that is an assaultive crime. Um, however, 
you know, and I don't I don't mean to laugh all that off because it is serious and it does affect people. But when the media, you know, make more out of individual anecdotal incidents than they should, then it does create this impression, you know, that, that I would say, again, is like ongoing. I mean, every year since I've lived here, it's been worse than every year before it, according to the media. Um, it creates this impression that things are horrible and they've never been worse and they're getting worse every day. But, but Erica, you're, you're basically kind of kind of waving your hand and saying, oh, nothing to see here. Move along. You know, this is all just a, a tissue of hype from, you know, uh, a, a few p- privileged members of the media who are, you know, deciding to kind of manufacture an, an issue out of this. And I think I fundamentally disagree with that. I think there there is a, a significant problem right now and a significantly different di- a significant difference in sort of what people are experiencing and seeing on the streets of Seattle that's actually what's feeding this it's not the it's not a media creation or just a sort of tissue of sensationalism and hype it's a real problem and i think we know from history that crime can be an incredibly potent political issue particularly when people who are worried about crime feel like they're elected officials are uh, aren't paying attention and that their protests and, and expressions of concerns are completely falling on deaf ears. We saw that with the left in the 70s and, and 80s in cities like New York, uh, where, uh, you know, they basically had a voter rebellion that elected people like Rudy Giuliani. It was Giuliani time in New York in the 1980s. And I... I 90s. In the 90s, sorry. And I'm starting to suspect that Seattle's left is on the verge of ushering in a similar kind of backlash by being completely in denial about this this stuff. Are you saying you know, that we are in New the, York in the 1970s in, in Seattle, Washington? Like, are you are you well, really saying that, that our situation right now is similar? We're headed there. The rise in violent crime is really significant. Now, look, I lived in the city of New York in the in the year 1990. And there were 2,200 plus murders in New York City that year. In the last year, in 2021 in New York City, there were just under 500 murders. So no, we're not at 1990 levels of crime where it was really epidemic. I mean, the, the, literally the guy who lived in the apartment above me when I lived at 13th and B was shot. But when, when crime is rising really rapidly, when the rate of crime is rising really rapidly, that perception starts to set in. And if you don't address it, if, or if you address it in the wrong ways, We'll start heading there. Okay, so let me just say this in closing, that um, another part of my inauguration is to be accessible to you. So I hope to be accessible. We're working out our cadence now. But the fact of the matter is, is that in one month, we've been working feverishly. And I don't think anyone is more upset at some of the conditions we see. Perhaps they are. I know how I feel as mayor of this city. That when I see crime, when I see people still living unhoused, I have a sense of urgency. We're not sitting around here, my executive team, we know how hard we are working. We want the people to see tangible change. And they expect it and they want it and they demand it. So we're working on it. We're working on it feverishly and I hope to. Uh, you'll see more of what we're doing here in the weeks and months to come. So thank you very much for attending the Heart Conference this morning. As we know on the podcast Seattle Nice, Seattle is a part of a a larger archipelago of blue cities across the United States, including New York. And Danny Westney in the Seattle Times had a column this week where he was kind of calling out Bruce Harrell and saying, why aren't you more like 
the mayor of New York, Eric Adams, who has released a blueprint to end gun violence and, according to Westeat, racing to crime scenes, visiting victims, kind of making crime his signature issue and asking Harold why he isn't going more in that direction. So to both of you, what did you think of this uh, uh, sensational Danny Westeat column? Some yeah. anecdotes, the accurate statistic about violent crime, and then a, a, a pivot to talking about, you know, misdemeanor nonviolent crime. Um, I mean, exactly the kind of complaints that I think prompt mayors to say, I'm going to fix everything in 100 days. You know, he's complaining that Harrell hasn't acted fast enough to basically get all the homeless encampments in the city to go away and get all the crime in the city to go away. I mean, unreasonable demand supported by random anecdotes is kind of the stock and trade of the city newspaper columnist. Um, I, I will say just quickly, um, after the press conference was over today, um, a, a reporter, um, not me, asked the mayor's spokesman, hey, you know, t- tell me tell me how much this was prompted by that Danny Westneat column. And the spokesman kind of, you know, looked at him and was like, well, um, you know, it wasn't prompted by it, but it, that column didn't help um, because, you know, and, and he went on to say, you know, Eric Adams running around to crime scenes is not really what you necessarily want to be doing. I mean, we don't do we really want Bruce Harrell jumping out in front of crime scenes at, for the for the TV cameras? What would that accomplish? And I thought I thought that was a really good point. First of all, I, I don't think Danny Westney is the only person in the media writing or talking about crime right now. I, secondly, I think his column was sort of timely and on point. And again, I think this is a, even a case where I think certain members of the media, as well as the sort of political ruling class, are playing catch up with the public uh, on this issue. And so, uh, you know, I, I, I think Danny's right to be highlighting it. And I, I do think he's right that there's a window for uh, a, a new mayor like Bruce Harrell to demonstrate uh, some understanding of the public concern and, and demonstrate some ability to take action. I think, Erica, you're right. These are long-term problems. They're not, you know, they're not going to be solved overnight, but you got to start somewhere. And after a year where, you know, most of City Hall seemed completely oblivious to the concerns that uh, increasing number uh, numbers of people in the general public were expressing, um, you know, I think that's that's welcome that there's a renewed emphasis on City Hall on 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 this issue. And, you know, the proof will be in the pudding. We have, we, you know, will will the mayor deliver some results on this? We'll see. But but at least he's talking about it. The first step to solving a problem is to, is admitting that it exists. And at least Bruce is finally admitting there's a problem in a way that much of the left in Seattle remains in denial of. We'll see how it goes. Well, one, one of the issues that came up today, and I was I was a little surprised to see Deputy Mayor Tiffany Washington in the room at the press conference, but she was there to talk about homelessness and um, and and sort of the I mean, I think there is a conflation and of homelessness and crime in people's minds. Right. And so I, I think this is like a perfect example of it's going to take a really long time and it's also going to take a lot more resources than we've ever been willing to spend to solve the problem. So she brought up Woodland Park, which is the one giant encampment really remaining in the city of Seattle. And their plan is to do sort of a slow sweep there. And again, I mean, you know, glad that they're acknowledging that giant encampments are a problem that needs to be solved. But there are one to two shelter beds available every single night in the city of Seattle. And to to the hundreds of people that are living, you know, potentially in Woodland Park, we don't really know. Um, And 
the city's response to that, I mean, I'm just, I'm not, I'm not hearing action. And I actually disagree that rhetoric is all that meaningful. Every single new mayor that has ever come into the city of Seattle comes in with a lot of rhetoric about fixing whatever the specific problem happens to be on the public mind. Sometimes it's transportation, sometimes it's homelessness. Right now it's crime in the city of Seattle. Um, but, but the problem with rhetoric is that, you know, you jump out in front of a problem and you give a bunch of, you know, a bunch of promises about how you're going to clean up the streets or you're going to fix the potholes, or you're going to do the whatever. And there's never like, there's never any acknowledgement of the fact that these problems are incredibly long-term and, you know, we actually do need to have patience. I mean, again, if the, if the answer, even if Bruce Harrell says the only answer I'm going to give is I'm going to hire a shit ton more cops. Um, that is going to take, I mean, if it's even possible, because Jenny Durkin couldn't do it, and the, the, the police department hemorrhaged police officers during her term. But if that's even possible, it's going to take the duration of his term to do, to even get co- the, the police staffing up to what it was when Durkin came into office. And so I think setting uh-huh. realistic expectations would actually be, you know, a novel and welcome change from a mayor. I will just say, I think you're contention, which I think is your contention, that it's sort of Jenny Durkin's fault that we had a mass exodus of cops from SPD. Not at all. Given the sort of intransigence and behavior and rhetoric that came out of the city council during that period, I think is is laughable. And and, and it goes to, it's, it's like Lorena when she, when she kind of in a council hearing raped some SPD some some poor SPD, you know, consultant over the coals for why are we seeing why are your retention rates so bad? You guys are totally falling down on the job. How come you can't retain cops? And, you know, as she's spending her entire campaign basically trashing them up, uh, you know, six ways from Sunday, right? Um, I will say there's one thing, though. I want to make a point about, I think, a, a, an opportunity that Bruce missed here at his press conference. Um, one thing I'm noticing really for a, a year plus now is a growing chorus and drumbeat of concerns and pleas from help from small business owners across the city, uh, who particularly ones near some of these hotspots are just saying, Oh my God, it's incredibly dangerous for us. And I, you know, and for our employees to be in these businesses and we're suffering break-ins or harassments or, or, or being menaced or what have you on a, you know, weekly basis. And nobody's listening and nobody's helping us. And what I did, and first of all, I think, look, if you, if I had a small business and I was standing in, in, behind a counter over there by Third and Union or Third and Pike, it'd probably be a complete, you know, shit show. I'd probably be scared too, right? You know, and because, and, and I, I think there's a real concern there. And I didn't really hear that at this press conference. Like, what are you going to do to respond to those people? What are you going to do to respond to the London Plain owner in Pioneer Square who wrote that heartfelt letter last fall about, her employees being and, and customers, you know, in the Occidental Park Plaza being constantly accosted and threatened uh, and all that stuff. And so anyway, uh, that, you know, memo to the team Harold, you know, uh, that's something that's, I think, really out there and really is affecting public perceptions when they're hearing from all these small business owners. We didn't hear a lot from you uh, and them about what you're going to do to kind of alleviate that plate in this press conference. This is what I'm, I'm hearing from both of you is that, you know, he kind of ran on crime. There's the left-wing approach to crime. There's the right-wing approach to crime. But what we got from Bruce Harrell today was kind of satisfying to neither. 
he gets up there, he gives a speech, he, he sort of points to hot spots and some other stuff. But like, concretely, like what you're both seem to be saying is, well, we're not going to really see very much of anything. Maybe we will. But this was just kind of a, a press conference prompted by a column without a lot of substance to it. I mean, that's that's what well, our podcast I, I, is now concluding. Well, I mean, I, I think he didn't really express an understanding of, you know, or, or any theory about why gun violence is up, other than that there are too many guns in too many people's hands, um, which is something that can be addressed at the state level. But, um, but you know, but sort of the root causes of gun violence going up during a pandemic in which many community supports have gone away, I mean, including, hell, including school, you know, much less after school programs, but, um, but just, you know, the, the sort of trauma and anxiety and distress and, and, you know, economic problems that the pandemic has caused are, you know, arguably contributing to this incredible rise in gun violence. And, you know, I heard, again, a little bit of lip service to that, but but not really. I mean, it was more, you know, we're going to we're going to figure out what's going on and we're going to address it um, somehow, <laughs> you know, maybe roll out a 15 point plan that actually has some substance to it in a month or two when when you've got that ready to go, rather than sort of coming out and saying we have zero tolerance for crime, because I mean, that's not that's not really saying much like, OK, that's what you ran on. That's your campaign speech. But what are you going to do? Well, I, I'm not saying that this press conference was just, you know, empty rhetoric and, and cotton candy and, and, uh, and, and vague promises, right? I'm, I, Bruce did put a marker down and speak forcefully to some of the uh, issues that people in the city are concerned about. And, and, of course, it's just words at a press conference. Now can he deliver? Can he make... Can he improve the situation at 12th and Jackson? Can he make third, uh, you know, between Union and Pine less of a hellscape, right? Um, and, and wherever else some of these hotspots are, that, you know, that's, that's what he's saying he's going to do. Uh, I think it's a good step that he's saying he's going to try to tackle these things. And, and now, and I think the public will give him a little time to try to demonstrate some progress, but, you know, We'll see how it goes. Sandeep, it sounds like yeah. Sandeep, it sounds like your solution is arrest more people and put more people in jail. And I'm just wondering how you think that's going to be different than the 90s when we did that um, and all the other times that the city of Seattle has done these emphasis patrols and locked up a bunch of people um, who then get out again, you know, with their underlying problems untreated. What is how is that a solution? You know, crime went way down after, you know, from the 90s until recently, right? I mean, there was a massive long-term decline in, in, in crime. I mean, in, incarceration is not the only solution, and it, maybe it's not the first solution, but it is, it is part of the mix here. And yeah, when you got somebody who's uh, stealing on a daily basis, who's walking into the Target and walking out with a 70-inch, you know, colored TV set you know, once a day, right, who's been arrested 20 plus times doing that, then yeah, maybe they need a timeout of six months in jail. And maybe that's not going to solve their situation permanently. But at least you have six months where they didn't like steal a color TV every day out of the time. I mean, I'm pretty sure most TVs are color now. That is something. Yeah. Uh, I mean, yeah, that, that, that is, is what we heard in the 90s. I mean, that is that is definitely the argument. Give people time well, out in jail. And, and I think we've gone... I think we've gone too far. The pendulum has swung too far into, you know, touchy-feely, you know, only empathetic and, you know, social reactions to 
criminal and antisocial behavior. And, I, you know, I, I do think we need to find where the equilibrium is between, you know, good and, and, and um, creative harm reduction practices and diversion and alternatives to incarceration. But that doesn't mean, you know, we just need to look the other way as people, you know, tear the, shirt, the social fabric to shreds. The description you're giving of antisocial behavior, I mean, a lot of, a lot of that really does stem from, uh, from drugs right now and particularly from meth. And I think to just describe it as like antisocial behavior that needs to be punished is overlooking the fact that we have an enormous meth problem in the city right now that is driving a lot of, you know, really um, maladaptive behavior, both for people that are using meth and, and you know, the people around them. I, I don't think people should be, you know, allowed to just walk into a Target and walk out with a TV every day or whatever scenario you're describing. But I don't think that giving them a quote unquote timeout you know, for people who are deeply and profoundly addicted to a drug that doesn't really have any effective treatments or harm reduction, um, you know, and, and then letting them back out on the street is going to solve anything for anybody, frankly, because, I mean, there are more people addicted to meth in this city than you could lock up in, you know, in a, in a hundred jails. The new meth, that'll have to be a topic for a future edition of Seattle Nice. She's Erica C. Barnett. He's Sandeep Kaushik. I'm David Hyde. Thanks so much for listening. If you want to contribute to Seattle Nice, you can. We have a Patreon account. You can also check us out on Twitter, tweet at us, direct message us, tell us what you like, uh, what you want to hear more of, maybe what you want to hear less of. That's at Real Seattle Nice. And thank you so much for listening.